church. Let's declare the hope of Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into i 
other way. And you in our lives can make a way. You can bring light to the darkness. You keep your promises because your word is true. And we praise your name this morning. We just pray that you would come into this place, that you'd be moving in our hearts, that you'd be moving in our lives, that you'd be moving in our church, in our community, and the world, Father, with all that you are doing among your people. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you. You are a maker, miracle worker. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every
just imagine what it's going to be like someday when we're up there in heaven, bowing down, every knee will bow before the throne of God as we worship him collectively with all the angels and all the saints. Gathered at the highest throne, welcomed by a melody, an anthem I have always known, a song that's always been in me. All glory and honor, dominion and power. to echo holy is the Lord. My heart can help us sing with all of heaven's roar. Forever echo holy is the Lord. Oh, oh, forever echo holy is the Lord.
church God God Our vision and heart here at Camarillo Community Church is to see the increasing number of people who live in our area to know and follow Jesus Christ. The challenge before us is how do we take our legacy of 60 years of successful gospel ministry and how do we pull that forward to the next generation? That's why we've embarked on what we're calling the Welcome Project. I hope that you'll take this time and join us in excitement and prayerful expectation as to what God and how God might use you for this endeavor. I've been coming here for about uh, 10 years. And I've been coming about five years. Cassie and I met as students going to the high school ministry here. And um, I was just talking with a mutual friend and then she just happened to be right there. And I just told him, you know, well, you know, you need to have an example of how to treat women nicely as a godly man. And I looked over at her and I said, well, hi, my name's Josh. Would you like to go to coffee? Partially as a joke, but it worked out pretty good because uh, here she is as my wife now. So that's pretty great. I serve in the high school ministry. Um, I do the worship leading and growth groups and different things like that. I've um, been doing it probably close to a year. I have served most recently in the college group, but I uh, recently had to pause for school. I really value good biblical teaching and strong beliefs, and so um, I wanted to make sure that wherever we went, it, it, it was aligned with what we found important to us um, and followed scripture to a T and kind of like, as Dave does, like lifting up the Bible like that. And this is definitely one of the best churches that we've ever been to that does that. I love to have familiar faces when I'm coming into church. Um, and for me, I feel like CAMCC really provides that. We started trusting God with our finances after a, a long process in the first roughly year of our marriage. 
and um, it was kind of difficult and a lot of her kind of provoking me to, to or pushing me to to trust God more and me kind of changing my heart and through a lot of prayer we started tithing and um, now we really see it as an important portion of our uh, of our budget. We've really felt a lot more connected in our relationship with God through giving in that like every time we look at our budget you know I put it on a spreadsheet and so whenever we go out and buy something it goes on to the spreadsheet and so like the tithing is always there. Just always having God a part of it means that you're kind of always having to think about Him. The older couples that we've been around that talk about tithing, they always talk about how it's such a big blessing and you really can see that in their lives sometimes. Um, you really can see like how they have a problem and God really does provide that solution. The biggest advice that I would give to um, someone that's trying to trust God with their finances is to make it a priority. Um, you have to plan it into your budget, you have to plan it into the perspective that you have. Um, and the biggest thing is that when you start Making that a priority, it shifts your whole perspective. When we started changing our budget to have it be tithing at the center and everything else went around it, um, it really does make your connection to God bigger and it makes your perspective on tithing so much more impactful. Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing. I think when you start planning it, that's the only way that it happens. The thing I'm most excited about the Welcome Project is all the like modernizing of the structures. And one of the things that really sticks out is the playground. Um, for me as a preschool teacher and as a younger family, um, it really sticks out to me as something that is impactful and it's really important um, to all those younger families to have an opportunity to be doing that while they're fellowshipping with other adults. There isn't one thing in particular that excites me about the Welcome Project, but um, I am confident in trusting in the Lord and trusting the leadership that, that God has placed over us in our church that they're motivated to reach out to the next generation and to get to um, the next life cycle of the church. And I'm excited to see how the Welcome Project can help us reach that goal. I have to say we're really excited about this Welcome Project initiative. Would you please prayerfully consider how God might be calling you to give above and beyond your normal gifts to this endeavor? As you notice in your envelope that you've received in the top right hand corner, it gives the option to give an enclosed gift for today. We're asking everyone to give a one-time gift at the beginning of the project and then to also consider what they might be able to do above and beyond their normal gifts on a monthly level for 36 months as well. So if you take, for example, my gift enclosed today, let's say it's $1,000, and then I, in addition to that, I think I can give another $100 a month. When you added up the 36 months together, that would be $3,600 plus the $1,000 of the initial gift. My total commitment to the Welcome Project would be $4,600. Please consider how God might be calling you and your family to be used in this endeavor and return this envelope to us anytime within the next four weeks. Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. We're so glad you're with us. If you're new to us, I'm new to you. You're new to me. My name is David Hurtado. I'm lead pastor here. And for those of you watching online, welcome as well. I had somebody come to me this week and say, Pastor, we still go. We, we just do it online. We got a sickness, all those type of things. We know. We see you. There's like 70 families or so that, that, that uh, go online with. So we know. We know you're there, and we know that you're committed. I'm glad you joined us today. And if you're in the video venue today, welcome as well. We're so glad that you're with us. 
uh, today. Really exciting time. If you are uh, maybe new to our church and checking us out for the first time, great time to be with us as we explore what God could do with us in the future and uh, what that might look like. And so very exciting uh, time to be together. Now, if you guys were uh, here several months ago and you were part of the leadership of the church, we kind of, uh, if you were leaders or found some kind of uh, extra devotion in our church, we had these things called vision meetings where we allowed people to hear about the Welcome Project ahead of time. Now, you guys remember, we approached those people ahead of time because we wanted to ask them to give uh, before the rest of us and, and kind of be, have a big encouragement that this is doable. Uh, that number came in about $600,000. I don't know what the number is now. Kenny's not telling me because I blabbed too much. And so we're all going to find out together what the final number is together in December when we have our victory kind of Sunday together. So that's coming up. But we also realized that in those vision meetings, we allowed a Q&A time, a question and answer time. Uh, and we have not allowed the general church population to have that Q&A time. So today, we're after our second gathering in our worship video venue uh, room back there, we will have a Q&A together. I'll be there. Kenny will be there. And we'd like to encourage you, if you have questions about the project, to come and ask those questions there. Please do that. We are firm believers that it's hard to buy into something until you chime into something. And so we're going to allow you to chime in so you can buy in. And so be com come and let us know. Even if you feel like, oh my gosh, you're going to think I'm disgruntled. No, we're not. No, we're not. There's just honest questions out there. And a lot of times there's honest answers to those questions too, as many of you who are in the um, uh, vision meeting saw. So we want to give that opportunity for everybody. So come after second gathering in the back, right behind me, behind the stage. There's a, a we used to call it a choir room. Now it's the worship room video venue. Go there, and we would love to answer questions. Also, this week, uh, we are having a worship night on Wednesday night from 5 to 7 p.m. We will have a taco, uh, like, uh, I was going to say dessert. <laughs> Tacos are always like dessert to me. But anyway, uh, taco meal for like five bucks. You get like four tacos, rice and beans, and you can switch it out for, you know, um, uh, quesadillas if you bring your kids or whatever like, like that. So uh, $5 for a taco meal, 5 to 7 p.m. You want to be here early. Bring a blanket, sit down on the grass, and, and have tacos with us. Bring a friend. Great opportunity to bring a friend. We'll worship afterwards. If you haven't been part of our, our one of our worship nights yet, it's amazing. It's really, really powerful time. And uh, great time, great opportunity to bring a friend. We want to see like the most people we've ever had at a worship night uh, on this Wednesday. So come eat tacos, worship together, and then we're going to have a prayer time targeted over this welcome project. And so would you come and pray over our church together? That would be absolutely awesome. Now, I want us all to remember the time, like go back in your mind, uh, maybe when you were newly married or right before you were newly married, maybe when you're an engaged couple, maybe when you first found out you were in love. And, now, and I, know, I know that there, you know, some people, may I'm single, I haven't experienced that yet, and I understand that, but you're probably going to be able to follow along right away with this illustration. But I remember when I was kind of falling in love with my wife, I believe, I know we were dating, I believe we might even have been engaged, and it was in that season of time where like, like, you know, we're driving together, and wherever we drive, we're holding hands. You know what I mean? That's kind of hard if you have a stick shift, but you know, you're like, you sit there, I'm, I always just want to hold your hand wherever we're going together, that kind of season, you know? When we get off the phone together, it's like, you get off the phone. No, you, you get off the phone. No, you get off the phone. You, you say I love you. You say I love, I love you more. You know, that, that whole thing, you know, you, the, that whole season. Uh, if there was a weekend where you didn't get to see each other, it was like torture. 
uh, for, to be away from each other. I remember there was one weekend where she had to go off with her family to Bakersfield. So it was some kind of family event. And so it was like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We hadn't been away from each other that long and for forever since we'd known each other. And we're texting each other, you know, this is so, what a horrible day. I don't get to see you. Or whatever we're doing at that point, we're eating cake now, but it still would be better to be with you. You know, whatever it is, you know, and you're constantly texting. And then there's like, when are you getting home? When are you getting home? And, and, and so many texts just on the ETA, what time you'll get home, right? And I remember this whole weekend, it was towards it. I went to church on Sunday, and I got through church and, uh, you know, worship God. And then, I, and then I got home, and I was like, when are you getting home? And we're texting each other, what time are you getting home? All these things. And every minute of the day felt like an hour. Like, when are you going to finally get home? You know? And, uh, and so we're texting back and forth. Finally, uh, I found something that I could watch on TV that would pass the time. And what I found was that ESPN, this is 20 years ago, so ESPN would cut to every time Barry Bonds was batting. He was, he was going from the, to be the home run king. And so, and so every, and I'm, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, I know, boo-boo. But anyway, and so I was like, oh, I'll just watch ESPN. And every time Barry Bonds comes up to bat, they go live to the scene, you know, because Barry Bonds could, could break the home run record tonight type of thing, right? And so he's up to bat, or, or two, Barry Bonds is going to be batting in two, uh, you know, in two batters, he's batting. And they've walked him four times or whatever it was. And I would just watch all these, you know, instances where Barry Bonds gets up to bat. Well, on the whole afternoon, at least this makes it a little bit more palatable that I can pass the time. And sure enough, Barry Bonds is going to be up in two hitters, and ESPN's going live to wherever they are, and Barry Bonds is coming to play. And I get a text message from my future wife. I'm home. And then I make the biggest mistake of my whole entire life. Because I tell her, honey, no problem. I will be over there as soon as Barry Bonds is done batting. In like 15 minutes time, I will, I mean, it's 15 more minutes, you know, what's the big deal? After a whole weekend of, oh, I can't wait to see you, and I missed you, and, and all these different things, like, just give me 15 more minutes, and I'll hop the car, I'll be there, no problem. And then, I mean, to say that my wife was a little upset, or my future wife was a, a little upset, uh, would be like an exaggeration. No, it'd be, it'd be saying it nicely, right? And then I didn't understand, like, I don't understand, we've already been gone the whole weekend together, I don't understand what's 15 more minutes. Raise your hand right now if you agree that that's misplaced priorities. A great example. I, yeah, and I understand now, like 20 years later, like I should have said, you know, forget you, Barry Bonds, you steroid user. You know, you know what I mean? I, I, I love my future wife, and I should have ran there to her, and you're more important than Barry Bonds. I understand that now, 20 years later. I think I understand that. Anyway, and so... I went there, she's just a tad bit upset, and again, this whole man-woman thing with singleness, you know, it's like my kryptonite, sending signals, receiving them, I, I, I never did, I always say I'm better married than I am ever single, I just don't understand that world, and so I made a big mistake, and it was a misplaced priority, misaligned priority, and it seems like all you guys might agree that that was the case. And I bring that up because today our passage similarly will cause us hopefully to have that same feeling inside, like the feeling like, that comes over you when, when priorities are misaligned or misplaced. What happens when we, misalign, uh, when we misalign things spiritually? How does it affect our daily lives? How are things affected in the physical realm and how are they affected in the spiritual realm? Yeah, have you ever felt like you just can't get ahead? You ever feel like you've missed out on God's blessing? Why is that? And what might be the solution? Now, before we get to our passage today, I just got to kind of share a little bit of a warning. 
Um, this is probably going to be the most challenging of the four messages that we're going to have in this welcome project. Um, the first two weeks, we just looked at vision and the excitement of what could be. Next week, I hope you'll come back to me, a super encouraging message as we look at how God uses us and what he does with our generosity and what we can expect in return. Very, very fun. It'll be a great, encouraging message, but today will be a bit challenging. And I really would like to de- dedicate this message to the young families out there, the young, young people, young families, young adults, single young adults, dating, engaged, maybe newly married, those of you who have two or three little ones in your house, maybe under the age of five, anybody under 40 years old, like to devote this to you. It's perfect that we had Josh and Cassidy do the video today for this weekend. And, and I'd like to dedicate this to you because I want to let you know that most pastors won't touch on this because they're scared of you. They're scared that you'll walk away. They're scared that you'll leave their church. They're scared that it'll scare you off. And yet we, as a church, have been devoted to the full counsel of God. We take the Bible, we put it up here, and we place ourselves underneath it. Does it mean that it's always easy? Does it mean that we always go, yeah? It means that sometimes that we're challenged. But we embrace the challenge. And Lord, what do you have for me in this? How do you want to speak to me through this? And so I guess what I'm asking you to do today, before we even step into the passage, will you commit right now to remain fully engaged? And will you commit not to shoot the messenger, (laughs) Um, but just let the word of God kind of come over you like a waterfall of wisdom and knowledge and words from God? Can you do that? All right. Have you ever felt like you just can't get ahead in life? Well, let's look at what could be a reason for that to happen. The overarching question today is what is the outcome of misaligned priorities in our spiritual lives? What is the outcome of misaligned priorities? Like, we, like, like when, I, when, I, when I was watching Barry Bonds instead of wanting to see my wife or my future wife, you know, uh, what is the outcome of such misaligned priorities in our spiritual lives? The first thing we're going to see is that there's a general sense that you can't get ahead. You ever feel like I just can't get, why can't I not get ahead? Well, in a general sense, I feel like it's always something stopping me from moving forward. And that's what we're going to see in Haggai chapter 1. If you would turn in your Bibles right now to Haggai, it's between the two Z books, Zephaniah and Zechariah. It's a short book. It's only two chapters long. Haggai, the prophet Haggai in the Old Testament. If your Bible's like mine, it's on page 883. Not likely. But if you go to the first page in your Bible, you'll see a little index there, and it'll tell you what page Haggai is on, H-A-G-G-A-I. We're looking at chapter 1, and we'll be at verses 1 through 7 in this first part. Uh, And it says this, what is the outcome of misaligned priorities in my spiritual life? A general sense that you can't get ahead. Let's see if we see that in this text. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai to the prophet Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Underline that, circle that, highlight that. These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled homes, houses, while this house lies in ruin, speaking of the temple of God? 
Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag of holes. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What is the outcome of misaligned priorities in our spiritual lives? Well, there's a general sense that you just can't get ahead. There's never enough. And the context here is that the temple of God lays in ruin or is in need of some tender love and care, and the people have decided that it's not time to rebuild the house of God. While they live in their paneled homes. Now, what does this mean? A paneled home, I would, I would call it the equivalent of you having a house in, let's say, Camarillo, California, having stucco on that house, and yet uh, saying, I need to replace that stucco with that nice kind of flat finish look. You know what I'm talking about? It's beautiful. I see houses, everybody's kind of going to that flat finish kind of, it's, I don't know if it's stucco or not. It looks like concrete. You know, it's the flat look, and it has like different variation color and whatnot. It's beautiful. And, and so uh, uh, it, it's the idea, oh, it's not like you're getting anything new. It's just that you're upgrading to the higher-end stuff, like luxuriousness. Now, now, by the way, this message isn't about how it's wrong to upgrade your house. If it is, then I'm guilty. I'm going to share a little bit about that a little later. Uh, uh, um, you know, I would be guilty of that. And by the way, I don't go driving around. I don't get, get a list this week and go driving around all your houses to see who upgraded what. You know, I don't do that. Some people think, like, like I talk to people, like, you know, he knows. I know nothing. I know nothing about you and your house and how much you give to this church. I really don't. I don't know anything about it. Uh, don't worry. It's okay. I'm not checking that stuff. I, I'll let God be God. I don't have to be God uh, in those types of things. It's not a message about how upgrading is wrong. It's not wrong. It's a message about priorities. You see, the issue was they were redoing their own homes while letting the house of God remain ragged. And then alleging that it wasn't time to rebuild. It wasn't time to invest in it. It's really the heart of greed that kind of entangles its little fingers around our heart and, and, and kind of convinces us that this is okay for me, but this is not okay for God. Like there's one standard for me and my own, and then there's another standard for God, and uh, they're different. And then he says, well, when you have this kind of heart where I can do this for me, but I can't do this for God, what happens? And he gives kind of the result of that sentiment. We'll go back to verse 5. Let's put it on the screen if we can. Verse 5, is it time for you, or verse 4, is it time for you to dwell in your panel houses while the house of God lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Let's think about this. Put your heart to this. What has happened as you've done this? You've sown much, you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, and you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one's warm. You earn wages, but you put it in bags with holes in it. And then he says again in verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Put attention to this. Think about this for a while. As this is going on, what's happening to you? You planted much, but you harvest little. This is farming terminology. I take a lot of seed, I put a lot of seed in the ground, but nothing's coming out of it. Nothing comes out. Like if nothing comes out of that, then that's just a waste of money. I put seed in the ground. I didn't get a harvest that I can sell. I don't have, I didn't benefit from my investment. 
So I plant a lot, but I harvest little. I eat, but I'm never full. I drink, but I'm always thirsty. I'm clothed, but I'm never warm. I earn money, but I put it in a purse with holes in it. You talk about bad inflation. That's real bad inflation. Consider your ways as you have this one standard for yourself and a different standard from God. What has happened along the way? Well, I don't feel like I can get ahead. There's this general sense that I just don't feel like I can get ahead. Why is that? Could it be because a misalignment in priorities? And then the prophet Haggai goes from describing their plight of this feeling of like I can't get ahead to the reason why they can't get ahead. In the next section, what is the outcome of misaligned priorities in our spiritual lives? Number one, that general sense that we feel like we can't get ahead. Number two, that general feeling that I'm missing out on God's blessing. In fact, you can even say this way, that God's blessing's being withheld from me. Misaligned priorities leads to me feeling like I'm missing out on God's blessing. Let's look at this in verses 8 through 11. It says this, Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the house that I might take pleasure in it and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. Why? For, look, uh, for you looked for much and behold, it became little. When you brought it home, who blew it away? Who blew it away? I blew it away, it says. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house that lies in, because of my house that lies in ruin while each of you busies himself in his own house. There it is again. Underline that. Highlight that. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have, there he is again, God, have called for a drought on the land and the hills and the grain and on the new wine and on the oil and on the wheat and on anything that comes from the ground and on man and beast and all their labors. What is the outcome of a misaligned priority in our spiritual life, well, it can be the general feeling that I'm missing out on God's blessing. It can also feel like God's just withholding his blessings from me. He says, go, bring the resources, and build the house that God might be glorified. The interesting thing is, if you look really closely, it says, go up the mountain or go up the hill and go get the wood that you need to, to make God's house whole. And the irony is that the nearby wood... That, that may have not required them to go up a hill or go up the mountain. It may have already been used on their own personal homes. And so that's why you got to go up that mountain now because you used all the wood that was nearby for yourselves and you didn't do, you know, you didn't kind of upgrade God's house. And so now the imperatives are go, bring down, and build. Let it be so that God, God, God's house matters to you like your own house matters to you. And what's the purpose of all this? Well, that God would be glorified. Now, this is really interesting because we're doing this welcome project, and, and, and we do believe that as we reinvest, that, that, that God will bring a new batch of people to us, many of whom who don't know Christ. You've seen it in the videos. There's 71,000 people who live in the greater Camarillo area. Many of them don't go to church. If every church in Camarillo was full to the brim, 15 services, it still wouldn't be enough people for, for the, the amount of people in our community. 
So we do believe that God's going to be bringing new people. We do believe that people are going to get saved. We do believe that marriages are going to be made whole, that kids are going to have their parents in, in the house, that, that all these things that God will do life change. We do believe that. But even if that wasn't the case, what if we just did it because we wanted to glorify God and give him our best? Would that be enough? It's enough for Haggai. Do all this that I might be glorified. What's the ground for all this? Again, he goes back into it again. You looked for much and it became little. You brought it home and I blew it away. God's the one who blows it away. The heavens withheld their dew. Now the dry season in Palestine is between uh, April and October and without the heavy dew that comes on the ground, it's literally impossible to get anything to grow. And so when God says, I withhold the dew, you're not gonna have any crops. Because you absolutely need that. There's no rain. It's a dry season. You need that heavenly morning dew to raise your crops. The earth was, has withheld its produce. God called, called for a drought on the land, the hill, the grains, the wine, the oil, everything that comes from the ground, on man, on beasts, and all their labors. God can curse the ground according to Leviticus chapter 26. God can curse the ground according to Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's a divinely designed drought. All because the house of God stands in ruins while everyone busies themselves with their own homes, according to verse 9. Again, I say this passage is about priorities. If we're not careful... We misalign our priorities. It can kind of be like, you know, watching Barry Bonds try to hit a home run, which, which he didn't, by the way, when, when your future wife is like, I thought I was important. Aren't I important? This whole weekend you were saying I was important. But now Barry Bonds is at the plate. Well, let's see if we can wrap all this up into a big idea um, that gets to the heart of all of it, and then we'll kind of dive in and talk about it some more. Um, big ideas on the screen it says this. Let's not have a standard for our own house that we're not willing to apply to God's house. That seems to be the heart of the text. Let's not have a standard for like our own house that we're not willing to apply to God's house. Like I have the standard for me, but I have a different standard for God. It's okay for me to spend this way, but it's not okay for God to spend this way. This church shouldn't spend money on that kind of stuff. Really? Like, if we look back on ourselves, would we say that about ourselves? Like, we can't spend money on ourselves? Now, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here that there are many others in this room who might be able to relate to this. Because when we start talking about the standard, our own standards for our own homes, that's when it starts getting a little convicting. That's when, that's when I start getting a little convicted. Let me explain. About four years ago, my wife and I bought a home in Camarillo. We had this opportunity to buy a, a shack that was like, you know, really messed up. We didn't realize how much stuff it was, but we bought kind of like the, the, worst, the worst home on the block and try to fix it up type of thing, you know? And uh, we, could, we could either have put 10% down or we could put 5% down. And I noticed between the two options that 5% down only cost me $100 more a month on my mortgage than if I put 10% down. So I thought, well, what if I took 5% down and took the other 5% and redid the kitchen? 
redo the whole kitchen, which, you know, at the time, the stove didn't work. It didn't have a working stove in the house that we bought. Um, also didn't have working pipes. All kinds of problems I didn't know about. But uh, So anyway, so I decided, you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, reinvest that 5% into the house, you know, redo the kitchen, maybe redo the master bathroom, which really needed to be redone because the, the spigot was like here. So here's my shower. <laughs> And I had to like walk in sideways to get, it's like, it's like miniature people in the 1960s that they built these houses for. And so, and so I had a good friend of mine who said, no, David, you are changing out that shower. You can't fit in it. It's got like that horrible pink color that all you guys liked in the 1960s. And, uh, and, uh, and thankfully for him, I did change out the shower as cheap as I was, which is good. I took a shower today without, you know, hurting my back. And so... So anyway, we did all that, and the hope was maybe we could do all that, and then we could reappraise it, and who knows, maybe we'd come out of PMI insurance, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. We, we did all that work to it, um, and then we reappraised it, and we were able to refi it and get out of PMI insurance, which saved all kinds of money in the process. Then this thing called COVID happened, and then all of a sudden, the government's handing out checks. And so the first check came, wasn't a big one, and that became a new garage door, which the garage door needed help because uh, I had the garage door guy come to my house and he was like, okay, I'm gonna put these two screws here, but I promise you, you have like six months to a year. So don't get mad at me when it breaks. I'm telling you right now, I can put these two screws here, but you have like six months to a year. Don't get mad at me. I'm not gonna cover it if it breaks. And I'm like, that's okay. Uh, we're gonna, the Lord Jesus is gonna give us more you know, time. And then the Lord Jesus gave us a stimulus check. And so I put a new garage door in the house. And then another stimulus check came. That one was bigger. And so that became windows. You know, and it was, you know, 1960s in the, you know, single pane kind of thing, and they were kind of malfunctioning or whatever. And so, you know, we put, you know, invested, we got the plug-in windows, and it's, you know, nice, and it, you know, preserves energy. Again, there was the galvanized pipes that had to be redone. Uh, the house has since been repainted. We've got new plants in the front yard. You know how much plants cost? They're expensive. And, you know, we got solar panels. I found a company that would, you know, put us solar panels in that was, uh, you know, $9 more a month than my regular electric bill, and you know, for nine dollars more a month, I get solar panels, and I get double the usage that I got that I had um, with my electricity. So, and then we bought a car that was kind of a hybrid electric, so we can plug it in, which that turned out to be very fortuitous because all of a sudden gas went to like twenty-five dollars a gallon. All that's happening, and I'm just being honest, and I probably could share more. There's floors, paint, all these different things that we've done, and and. Um, you can see from my own life that I put a high priority on keeping up my own house up to date. Like, I think it's a smart investment. I have a personal value of what I would call affordable excellence. Like, I, I, I bought the messed up one because I wanted to fix stuff and make it nicer. It's like, it's like had I needed a new electrical panel. It's another thing we had to do. All these kind of things that had to, had to be done. I have this high priority of keeping things up to date, affordable Excellence. Now, if I embrace that kind of mindset in my own personal life, my own personal home, and then espouse a frugality mindset when it comes to God's house, then I'm falling in the category that Haggai would say in this passage, you need to consider your ways. Consider your ways. Why do you have a standard for yourself that you won't give to God? Why do you have a standard of excellence for yourself that you're not willing to give to God? Let's not have a standard for our own house that we're not willing to apply to God's house. It can be so easy to convince yourself that 
This is the last place, place I need to be generous towards, God's house. I mean, there's so many other different endeavors I could be generous towards. You know, there's homeless agencies, there's third world country issues, there's organizations that focus on feeding the children, there's political-minded organizations. So Lord knows with our political climate, they need help. But God's house, that'll take care of itself. Furthermore, I have these priorities, like I still need to add the addition onto my house. Let's not have a stand for our house that we're not willing to apply to God's house. That's what Haggai is saying. Now, I know that God resides in us individually and us corporately as a body. That's a little bit different than the Old Testament. God was residing in the temple. He was, he was residing there. And yet when we gather together, we're the very embodiment of the residence of God. Why wouldn't we want to make that place look beautiful and awesome for our king? And so I, I, I go out of my way to say that I'm dedicating this to young people in our church, to those under 40 in our church, because it'd be so easy for us to just write on the coattails of the generation before us, the generation that gave you everything you see. And oh, it's good that they paid for it, so I don't have to give a dollar towards it. But then we hear about how the church is dying in America. There are more churches closing their doors every day than are opening their doors. And if there's not a new generation that comes up and says, I'll take the baton from you guys, and this gospel has changed me so much from the inside that I want to pay it forward and invest in it for a next generation, because somebody somewhere invested in the gospel for you to hear it. Whether it was this generation or the generation before, somebody invested that your family could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I say, young people, as you make the priorities of your life and you're setting the budget, I love Cassidy and, and, uh, and Josh as they talked about how they were deliberating on their budget and they made it a part of their budget. If you don't make it a part of your budget now when you feel like you're strapped, you won't make it part of your budget then when you have all this extra. It gets harder because the amounts get bigger unless it's just, ah, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is the pattern of my life. As we saw Johnny and Joey in their video in week one, which was amazing. Well, in case you weren't here in the past couple of weeks, I want to show you the type of excellence that we desire to give our God. That he would be glorified in what we could give towards him. And so the pictures are going to be rolling again. I know there's some people who are, I know the Smiths are here for the first time in like a couple years or whatever, and so it's awesome to see you guys. And so this is what we're trying to do to make it look beautiful, uh, to, to, to enhance some curve appeal. And we'll just keep on rolling these through. So enhance places where you can sit together, where you can uh, be in fellowship with other families, where, where you don't feel like, man, it would be really nice to have this great conversation, but there's nowhere to have it. But now there will be places where you can actually have it, where you can sit down together, be warm together, pray with each other, whether it's small groups in, 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 in children's ministry, youth ministries, or, or places where Awana kids can recite their verses, or places where young families can hang out and, and talk to each other without feeling like their kids will run away to different spots. Uh, these, this is what we're hoping to do. That uh, Let's build some shade structures, places where there would be ministry points where we could say men's ministry will be on the left, women's ministry will be on the right, uh, growth group ministry will be over here, uh, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's in the building where you have just 
making it homier, look nicer, taking this, uh, you know, Santa Barbara mission feel, and, and at the same time keeping that beautiful cross there that says, you know, this is our legacy of our church where they melted down their silver and said, we're devoted to our God and our King in the form of a cross in Christ, beautiful, and just giving our best to our God where we can say, this is how much we think of you. We do it in our own homes all the time. Uh, uh, we upgraded our homes all the time. I was doing it again this year, and I've already got five different plans on what more I want to do. I want to change the water here. I want All these things that I have in my mind, why not take that same kind of ingenuity, that same kind of mindset, and say, God, you deserve our best. That's what we're about. That's what we're excited about. If it does nothing else but give glory to God, that's what we're excited about. But we do believe we're going to get a new influx of people who go, wow, that church is going somewhere. That church is doing something. I want to be a part of a place like that. Well, if you're new among us, maybe you're even new to Christianity, um, you might come and say, man, I, is this what they do all the time? No, is the answer to that? No. Uh, I've been here for almost six years now. We've never done anything like this. First time we've done anything like this. And we are asking our people to sacrifice a little more for their God. And at the same time, the reason, you've got to know this, if you're new to this faith and new to this Christian thing, the reason anybody would sacrifice like that for their God is because of how much God has sacrificed for them. And I wouldn't want you to leave thinking that we just want your money, your pocketbook, and there might be some well-intentioned, good-natured people going, I want to be a part of it, and we won't stop you if that's what you're, where you're at. But we've got to introduce you to why we would give. We've got to tell you why we would do this. You see, there's a God in heaven who says, I want to make known to people on the earth that there's a way to find pardon. There's a way to find forgiveness for all the things on the back half over here of the mind that remind you of how you don't measure up and how you, you've done things wrong, the things that are the ugliest inside that you would never want posted on a screen. You wouldn't want anybody to know the things that shame you, that make you feel so down and depressed before God. I have a way of making you whole is what God says. That's what the scriptures are all about. That's what we're all about, about sharing with people how God can make you whole. He can forgive you of your sin. He can separate your sin as far as east is from the west. He can't forget it because he's all-knowing, he's omniscient, but he can separate as far as east is from the west. I can separate it from you. I can make you whole. I can make you sanctified. I can make you holy. I can justify you before the king, even though I know everything you've done. And the way he does that is through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. The, 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 the God-man who would walk the earth and live a life that you and I could never live perfectly. So he is justified before God. And when he dies on our behalf for our sin, God says, I will look on the Son of God. I will satisfy my wrath on him. And I will act as if you have lived the perfect life that he lived. That's the transfer, that's the gospel, that's the good news, that you don't have to be held to account for your own past, even your present or what you might do in the future. He forgives it, he gives pardon, he forgives and he justifies. That's the gospel of Jesus. And when people grab a hold of that, that's what makes them wanna give. Are you kidding me? You've given me that much, of course I want to give back. That's the motivator. 
And so if you're here and you're like, man, I want to give this thing, this, this guy gets excited about the Bible. No, 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 no. You give because you've been given to. Receive the gift of Christ, his work on the cross, his death, burial, his resurrection. Come to faith in Jesus is the only way that you are ever be worthy of a God in heaven. And then you have every motivation to give. We'd love for you to take that first step before you jump to the second one where you start giving to him. Church, that message that you've heard over and over again, it can become rote and maybe not even hit the emotions anymore. It is the very salvific words to somebody who doesn't know. And when you invest in the kingdom of God, you're investing in that. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And if there is no other reason or motivation to go above and beyond, just that you'd be glorified, that'd be enough. I know we believe that. I know our church believes that. We've got a, a big God-sized goal of $1.3 million. I don't even know, is it possible, is it not? But I sure love getting on my knees and right, waiting on you and relying on you and seeing if you come through. I, I, I just get so excited to put myself out there in faith for you, even to, to redo my finances for you. And I just can't imagine if people will join me and the leaders of our church, what you might say to them on the day when you see them face to face. That's the day that we should be living for. I thank you that I have a wonderful house with a new paint job. But I want to be living for more than that. I want to be living for you and your gospel that can change the world. Help us do it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. I'm excited about what's possible here at this church. And also the, the message that he shared at the end, the gospel, the good news. You know, there may be some uh, here today on campus, or maybe if you're at home, and you've heard that before, but your heart didn't, heart didn't leap in your chest. It didn't seem to be for you, or it wasn't the right time. But you're feeling God calling you now. You feel the spirit moving in your heart now. And I just want to say, um, this is the start a wonderful life before Christ of being able to live a life of faith and we're excited for you so if that's you today let me uh, let me invite you let me encourage you ask you to to let us know about that if you're on campus please see the people behind the welcome counter in the in the uh, lobby there uh, they'd be uh, very happy to talk to you about uh, this new faith if you're at home, uh, you can go on our website, camcc.net. There's a, a page there called Next Steps. And let us know there. It's our desire to walk with you, to help you through this process, to grow with you. And so I encourage you to do that. So um, Friday, November 11th, was Veterans Day. And Veterans Day is a day that we as a country honor those that have served or are serving. You know, we, we've, we've been a nation, uh, it's coming up on almost 250 years. And even before we declared that, we had people willing to defend uh, this nation. The Continental Congress called into an army and a navy. 
And uh, we have been uh, defending this country against aggression. We have been going abroad and uh, uh, serving those around the world to bring peace, to bring justice. And it's been sometimes a great sacrifice. And for those that have served, it's usually at a cost. You put yourself in harm's way. And we say thank you for that. Many of you have come home and have brought wounds home with you. Some of them visible, some of them not so visible. And we acknowledge that. And we just want to say thank you for serving. So I'm going to ask you to stand when I call your service out. And... Um, and remain standing to the end. For those of us um, that would like to applaud that, can I ask you to hold that until we're done calling the services up? And I'm gonna call those services as, um, as they were established and just stand right where you are and stay standing until the end. So for those that have served or are serving the United States Army, Please stand. The United States Navy. The United States Marine Corps. The United States Coast Guard. The United States Air Force. And I'm not sure there's anyone retired yet from, but the United States Space Force. To you, we say thank you. Your church family loves you. You guys are awesome. Thank you for serving and sacrificing. But I do want to mention another group those are family members of those that were just standing, or maybe those that are actually on duty now around the world, standing, uh, standing the watch. For family members, spouses, uh, kids, parents, maybe siblings. I just wanna say we acknowledge also that your sacrifice, it's not easy life. And we're thank you, thankful that you've stood behind your service members. You've uh, prayed for them, you've blessed them, you've supported them. Thank you for that as well. All right. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the Welcome Project. Um, you know, I was alive in the 60s when they were decorating all those bathrooms in pink. I didn't like it then, definitely don't like it now. But I'm very excited about it. And um, I'm going to be standing at a table uh, back there. If you'd like to just talk about it a little bit, if you want to come ask a question or something, uh, I'll also have a box. You can give your, your uh, gift there. Uh, please do. Come see me. Um, at the doors as you head out, you'll be able to, to give your gift if, this is a, if today's the day that you're going to do that. So please, please do that. Excuse me. And, um, and we're we'll be able to, um, and I should be able to talk about it, but also remember this afternoon that um, uh, Pastor David and Pastor Kenny will be in the uh, worship or the, what used to be the worship room or the choir room or uh, 
Um, actually, I'm doing a wedding there in a couple weeks. I'm calling it the chapel as well. So we got a lot of names for it. So that'll be after a second service. Um, so uh, also, this is a time that we worship God by giving back with our tithes and offerings and perhaps our gifts. So please honor God. Uh, this is how we say uh, thank you to God, how we say he's first in our life. Uh, by being able to do that. You'll see the ways to do that. They're up on the stage or up on the screen there. Also, so let me uh, just pray for that. Lord, thank you for a day like today that you've called us into your house, that we can worship you in song and in reading of the word, Father, in giving. And would you take these tithes and the offerings and even the gifts for the Welcome Project, would you use them would you multiply them? And Father, would you um, cause this church to be a light in this community? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our vision and heart here at Camarillo Community Church is to see the increasing number of people who live in our area to know and follow Jesus Christ. Five years ago, Camarillo Community Church hired myself, my wife, and our children to come be the new lead pastor of our church. Since we've been here, we've done 15 community impact initiatives, 76 people have been baptized, and 113 people have made decisions for Christ. But I want to let you know something. We don't believe we're done there. We believe God wants to do so much more with our church in this community. Did you know that 71,000 people live in the Camarillo area? Many of those don't go to church. Challenge before us is how do we take our legacy of 60 years of successful gospel ministry, teaching of the word as our history, and how do we pull that forward to the next generation? You may not know this, but most churches have about a 50 to 60 year window and then the church closes. We call that a life cycle of a church. How do we go from one life cycle to another life cycle? How do we bridge the gap from what was so successful here and make it successful again? One of the ways that you can build momentum is to refresh, rebuild, kind of refresh vision on the campus. You may have done this in your own home life as well. You take the kitchen and you redo it. It just refreshes the whole kitchen and makes it feel new. And then you bring new people in and they all enjoy it. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant where they have reestablished themselves or a new grand opening and people come just because they want to see the new ownership or what's done inside. Those are the kind of things that we're talking about that we believe we can provide ourselves momentum with as we refresh our campus. That's why we've embarked on what we're calling the Welcome Project. And we're so excited uh, for all of us to consider how God might be calling us, challenging us to stretch a little bit more for His kingdom, for His glory. And we believe in doing so, we might get a new influx of people, people who are new to our community, buying these homes, people who are here looking for a fresh start, people who are looking for a place to raise their children in a church home. Church is not a building, it's about building people. And our facilities are just a tool for that greater vision. As our area continues to grow and increasing with people in Camarillo and really the Ventura County area, we would love to see more of those folks come to know Jesus Christ. And that's why we're doing this. I'm so excited how God will stretch my family and how what we can give and sacrifice for so that new people, new family, new children 
can come to know Jesus Christ. And I'm hoping that all of us together, that you'll join us in this process, that as you deliberate and say, God, I'm going to put you in my finances, I'm going to put you in my budget, so that we can do something together that we could never do apart, and then we can make a dent in the kingdom of God right here in Camarillo. I hope that you'll take this time and join us in excitement and prayerful expectation as to what God and how God might use you to this endeavor. Man, talk about timing. Uh, we are right in the middle of a whole house gut job right now. Um, so <laughs> we're trying to figure out what, how God wants us to sacrifice. And you know, I mean, plywood's not too bad. We can just, you know, we don't need flooring, right? Uh, we'll figure it out. But um, we're just so glad that you guys were here this morning. Um, if it's your first, second, or third time, we have a gift for you back in the back, so please just make sure to stop by our welcome counter on your way out. Um, and thank you for being our guest. And if you're watching online, you can just go to camcc.net slash next steps and fill out a communication card there, and we have some gifts we'd like to give you as well. Um, this week is our worship night on Wednesday. We're really looking forward to this. The kids are gonna be having an awesome time upstairs. Um, they have glow-in-the-dark, glow sticks, a dance party, glow-in-the-dark slime. It's going to be really messy. I don't even want to go up there and see what it looks like, but uh, they're going to have so much fun. So I hope that you bring your kids to come on Wednesday night. We're going to have a taco truck with meals for sale, um, drinks for sale. It's going to be really fun, wonderful, encouraging time, and just a, a wonderful way to lift the Lord up and praise Him together. I uh, hope you'll join us for that. Right now, if you would just join us on the patio for a donut, some coffee, and we'll see you Wednesday.